everyone. Welcome to the second season of Spirit Walking with Asa Hoffman. And this season is Perspectives on the Reemergence. Um, I, <clears throat> when we started this, I didn't necessarily plan to have a second season. I, I uh, originally started Perspectives on the Pandemic just to connect with all of you and to maybe uh, create a safe place for a conversation and you know, to bring on people who I thought were uh, people who lived connected in alignment with their values, with consciousness and with moving towards our potential, uh, not just as individuals, but as a society, uh, as a race on this planet, um, as a member of the earth family. And uh, in doing so, I thought it would help with, so, with dealing with the, the changing frequencies on our planet. So, you know, many of us who've been involved in the spiritual community for uh, years now, for me, you know, it's kind of been a lifetime journey uh, as it, I think it has been for many of you. Um, there's been conversations about the earth and the evolution, the raising of a vibration, the ascension, whatever you want to call it, that's been happening on this planet for a really long time. And in more recent years, uh, we've been just seeing the dial turned up, and 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 you know I think what we're beginning to understand more and more is that as the frequency goes higher on the planet, uh, our awareness of the disconnect, the separation, uh, the conflict, the lack of harmony in our vibration in our frequency, not only with each other but with nature, uh, becomes more spotlighted and. So I think, you know, especially in the last year or the last couple of years, that dial has turned up even more and more and more. And I think as we went into 2020, it was basically, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't really like the word breaking point. Um, it's what's coming in my head, but it was um, an opportunity to shine a light brightly on the state of our human consciousness and where we are right now, what we were creating on the planet uh, and where we were headed. And I think this pandemic created a, a global reset, a pause, an opportunity to go home, to sit and contemplate uh, who we are individually, who we are collectively, and what it is we choose to create in the world for ourselves and for each other. Um, as Ms. Blasa said, you know, how at this time can we be of service to, to connect with that? Uh, and you know, as we were coming to the end of the perspectives on the pandemic, as, as things started to open up, I thought, oh my goodness, this is actually, even though it feels so long, it's happening so quick. And how are we going to take this global reset into the future? How are we gonna not just open up and go back to business as usual? which is a terrifying thought to me personally, that we would just go back to business as usual, that we would go back to uh, the over self-medication through greed uh, that has been going on in the planet um, and lose our uh, connection to the fact that we are all interrelated and cannot separate from one another. And, and it, it started to make me concerned and I thought, wow, I have to continue this. And so that's how I came up with the second season. And when I was thinking about doing it, uh, a friend of mine had said, you should call it the reemergence. And 
what was interesting is I went and I looked up reemergence and it, uh, it, the word itself has a lot to do with uh, the reemergence of diseases, of viruses. Uh, if you go Google it, you'll find out that it has a very strong connection there. So, uh, and it, it can be properly hyphenated or not hyphenated. Uh, and I decided to hyphenate the word because we are emerging um, and there is the potential for the reemergence, whether that's the virus uh, or any other manifestation. And so I thought, well, this is perfect. We are perspectives on the reemergence and I will bring people in to talk about that. And how do we take our global reset? How do we take our time at home, our pause into the future with us and keep this conversation going and bring change into our lives? And just as we were heading towards that, George Floyd happened. And Black Lives Matter happened. And the spotlight shone a bit brighter on uh, yet another area of darkness and humanity, of inequality, of racism. And it just feels like more and more, this is, these conversations are so important. And uh, even though <clears throat> I don't know who I am to tell you what to think or what to feel. I know that I am someone that can be a part of a conversation. And that's what I'm trying to create here. And this conversation includes you. Uh, it doesn't just include those coming on with me. And tonight, I have two amazing women I'm bringing on. Uh, one is uh, Georgie Greville, and she's going to come on first with me. She's a co-founder of Milk Makeup. Uh, we'll talk more about her in a moment. And uh, we're going to be talking about, um, uh, you know, first, the beginnings of, of Milk Makeup and, and her inspiration for it, because I find it an interesting brand since it's uh, very much about inclusion and it feels like so appropriate for where we are right now, because I know Georgie herself talks about radical inclusion. Um, and then I have Tessa Hirsch, who is a friend, a client, uh, and someone who, um, if you read her bio, she's got an amazing bio, but for me, she's just a goddess. And uh, she brings so much heart and love uh, and truth into her voice. And I just wanted to talk to her very badly and wanted to share that talk with you. Um, but before I bring either of them on, I wanted to share something uh, real quick that happened to me today. So uh, <clears throat> as you probably know, I do these Monday meditations that I've been leading and as another way of bringing people together. And I led one today and today we really, focused on our heart and connecting our heart to uh, the heart of the earth mother, the heart of source, by whatever name you wish to call it, God, goddess, all that is. Uh, and then we connected with the heart of our fellow humans, locally and globally. Uh, and it was, it was, for me, it was really powerful. And I left it at the end of meditation and I was sitting there and I went to get up and, uh, and I couldn't, and I just sat, uh, and I wanted to get up. <laughs> I wanted to go about my day. I had a lot of things to do, including getting ready for tonight, uh, and, and, and I couldn't, and so I sat some more, uh, and suddenly I was like, I think I'm supposed to write something down, so I opened my computer, um, and I typed something out, and what I typed out is what I want to read to you, and I read it back, and I was like, I, I, I think this might be really beautiful, <laughs> Uh, but I really can't take credit for it. I have to tell you, I, I don't believe I wrote it. Uh, I believe I was a medium through which it came through, but 
I think that if uh, I wrote it, that, that it was those of us in the meditation today that wrote this. Uh, so if you were in that meditation, I think that you participated in creating this short piece of poetry. Love's only purpose is to love and the heart is but a gateway that guides us to love. But that gateway can shut and lock and seem impenetrable. But love knows no fear. Love shines a light in the dark and invites the heart to feel its pain, to heal, bear its wound, to bleed and bleed and bleed until the heart is so exhausted with its pain that it begins to open again. Open, open, open. No longer running from pain and anger, no longer analyzing the why, no longer protecting with judgment, the heart returns to a pliable state and it both cries and rejoices with new possibility. I don't know, it just felt really appropriate and uh, I wanted to share that. Uh, that's what came out of my day. And I feel like it really speaks about us as an evolving consciousness and the importance that we uh, don't uh, imagine being spiritual, being conscious, being awake, uh, being positive as just feeling the good stuff, that, uh, that the journey there is sometimes walking right into the heart of the fire and burning and coming out on the other end, ready to walk into that fire again. Um, anyway, with that shared, I would like to continue this conversation. I wanna bring on Georgie and I want to uh, talk to her about um, her journey and share in this conversation perspectives on the reemergence. Uh, so Georgie, if you would uh, start your video. There you go, come on in with me. Hi. Hi everybody, hi Asa. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you um, for having me. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to have this conversation with you. Um, I wanted to know, well, first of all, how are you doing and how is your family? Um, that was beautiful, by the way. Um, mm. Um, yeah, that was created. I'm telling you, in that meditation, there were uh, a whole lot of us on there, and we, were, we we connected with our hearts. And at the end, we actually uh, took each other's hands in our consciousness and, and wrapped it around the globe and imagined just connecting. and And I just I just couldn't move after the meditation. I just had to sit for a while. And uh, and then, like I said, there was this moment of type 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 type. So um, anyway. So I really uh, want to know, because you know what, one of the reasons why I started the meditations, we are in a time where, I mean, you know, I think in many ways, you know, many of us have gone home and it felt like, you know, after getting past the initial anxiety, it's like, oh, wait, there's opportunity in this, right? And then sort of as time has gone on and, and dealing with it, it's like, oh, shit, wait, I don't know what's going to happen next, <laughs> you know, I don't know where we're going. So, you know, there's been a lot of variables with that and also dealing with COVID itself. How have you and your family been coping through this? You know, um, 
I feel like this is the set. I mean, it definitely is the second wave that we're feeling right now of this collective grief and uh, heaviness. Um, so in general, my, I'm, I'm good and my family is great and we are all, um, you know, in this beautiful, loving, tight reality together, which is, we have enough space where we are and we're in nature. So I can't, um, I can't ask for any more than anything more than that. You know, I'm just sort of, uh, um, yeah, beyond grateful to be with them through this and be near my, uh, my parents are across the street. So having that tight knit um, bonding time and being able to bond also with nature right now has been like the most incredible thing. Um, and then on the other side, has it been difficult sort of, I mean, cause I know you are, uh, live in Brooklyn mainly, you know, yeah. that's pretty much where home is, I believe. So, you know, how has it been dealing with like not being home, even though, you know, when, there's an adjustment there, right? Even though it's uh, you have a space to be in, and you may have your sort of your own space there, but it's still not your space. Yeah, it's it's this, you know, having to be comfortable with the uncertain. I'm a I'm a total planner. Like I like to know where I'm where I'm going to be six months in advance. I like to plan my trips. I like to I like to know my schedule and really plan. And to not be able to do that is like this, you know, ultimate meditation. And like, okay it doesn't matter. And we were just, you and I were talking about this in terms of, this is not the time to, this is the time to be in the waves and not necessarily anchor anywhere. You know, like we're just in the waves. Um, so have you been able to do that better? Have you been able to lift out of the need to plan and schedule some and, and find a balance between that and breathing through the waves? Yeah. I mean, we're, every day is a new challenge with what I am anchored to, and that is, you know, helping or being a part of the various communities that I'm a part of. Those are the only anchors. And that's the thing about right now, right? It's like everything has been stripped away. And the only thing that matters is our, our human communities and how we can help each other and this sort of mutual aid system that we can create and anchor ourselves with. And I think creating that in Milk Makeup, creating that in my family and friends, creating that outside myself to support the movement, um, the anti-racism movement, the anti-police brutality movement, you know, like how, how can I be anchoring to that in a way that's meaningful? Yeah, you know, before even Milk Makeup, I believe as a filmmaker, you've always sort of married with brands and with the idea of social consciousness and having a voice uh, uh, for the community. Is that true? Would you say that that's, that's accurate as far as your, your history? I mean, I would like to, you know, that's what I aspire to do for sure. You know? Um, and I think, you know, as a female filmmaker where it's like so rare that you're even given the chance to, <laughs> it's getting less and less rare, hopefully, but, um, one day at a time. <laughs> yeah. One day but at a time. Without, but not without a lot of people fighting for it. Exactly. Exactly. Including um, you. So how did you go from uh, working, because you were at I, MTV before Milk? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so how'd you go from MTV to becoming a co-founder with Milk Makeup? Can you tell us a little bit about the beginning, at the beginning of that journey? 
Sure. Yeah. Well, I I was a I was a copywriter and then a writer director in MTV on air promos um, back in the 2000s. My first day of work was September 11th, which is kind of interesting in Times Square. Um, but yeah, I I rose up the ranks there from writer to writer director, and then it was sort of my de facto film school, and then. Um, MTV was just getting more and more corporate. And so I was searching for the weirdness elsewhere, you know, searching for other opportunities to be more creative with filmmaking. And I ended up um, being friends with a lot of people at Milk and I knew they wanted to start an internal film division because they were, um, Rossi and the, a lot of uh, my founder, uh, my partners at that time, um, were used to being sort of like a hotel for other creatives in terms of being the service, being in the service industry of outsourcing, you know, being the casting agency, equipment, rental, studios, et cetera, but they wanted to be the ones creating the content and, and videos and films. So um, that's when we started Legs. Uh, Jeremy, my now husband, <laughs> and I and um, two other guys started Legs, uh, which was a production company within Milk. It was the first kind of content creation company within Milk. Um, so we would do, we would operate as freelance directors, but we really took advantage of this burgeoning fashion film time where there was a lot of creativity going on, but um, the fashion world wanted to make films, um, but didn't really know how to yet. So we got in and were able to make a lot of opportunities happen through Milk, which is which is what I was really into because I looked at the ad world and I just found it, um, it was super, you know, really bureaucratic and safe, especially in the United States. You know, Europe has a, a more creative advertising um, industry, but uh, we were able to do a lot of creative work. You know, our first, our first um, client was Diesel and we ended up taking over the Diesel website for like an entire month with 50 subversive films and just, wow. you know, that was our first client. So we started with, uh, you know, creativity first was definitely the mantra. Um, but we ended up also making a lot of stuff in the vein of milk and kind of creating gallery shows and um, multimedia kind of events. We worked with Daft Punk's lighting um, artists to create a big event for Target. You know, we just did a lot of a lot of the weirder jobs that nobody else really wanted, nobody else could wrap their head around. We were like, we'll do it. So um, whether or not we were the last people they went to or not, doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. We got the job anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lot of creative food. A lot of creative food. Yeah. And a really good way to like see the entire landscape of content creation from like live events to music videos to traditional ads and everything and everything in between, you know, short films. So then would you say that uh, so when Milk itself, uh, Milk Makeup itself launched, uh, content creation was a major part of that going in from the get go. Uh, yeah. And and uh, so I know the brand to be really about inclusion. Uh, I don't know if it's the level that you are. I know you're about radical inclusion. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, that's my goal. I, you know, I hate to, that's sort of like, I feel a tiny bit weird saying it publicly just because I feel like that's what I strive to get to, you know, like that's sort of, that's what drives us. And I, I hope that one day we'll get there. And that's definitely just the, that's, you know, what, it, that's the goal. But you know what? I think that part of it is claiming our, our desire to get there and being honest if we're not there. 
You know, I love that yeah. actually. And I think it's about saying, hey, you know what? I'm not there yet, but I think I think that's what's so important about this time. And it's one of the reasons why I'm doing this show is bringing people on who dare to be honest and to say, you know, uh, there's more I can do. There's ways I want to be better. And, you know, here's, I'm going to claim where I'm working towards um, and support me in that and realize like even not just, you know, as, as co-creators, but even as customers and everything, like let's support this brand going that way. And, uh, and so I think having a voice in that way is, is really powerful. So I love that you, that you are putting it out there and have been putting it out there. Um, my, my, uh, my question is, um, was that there in the beginning for you? You know, was, was inclusion uh, a part of the brand's DNA from the, from the beginning? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and with all the founders or was that really in your DNA? Like where was that as far as in the conversations? Can I ask? You know, it came from me, but it was, it was agreed upon. I mean, I think Rossi especially really saw it as, you know, we wanted, I wanted to take a cross section of who came to milk, who was in the elevator of milk or who was in uh, a milk gallery event or a party. And, and that, you know, it really is an interesting place because it brings together all sides of the creative community. And as you know, different parts of the creative community, especially in New York can get a little bit clicky. So the, when, yeah. when, you, when you see every, all sides coming together and, you know, somebody's mixing with nobody's and, you know, everybody in between having the opportunity to kind of rub against each other and, and be in the same room. It's a really special thing when that happens. Um, and Milk had the sort of secret sauce that could, could make that happen in a cool way. Um, and that was always something I was searching for is like this sort of like inclusiveness that you just, the door was open. You just sort of had the, have the balls to walk in, you know? Um, right. So yeah, and I, and I think that also just thinking about the way we all grow up, grow up searching for like any kind of creativity in our towns that we grow up in. And, you know, people that are lucky enough to grow up in, in cities like New York don't really have to search that far, but everybody else is like trying to find it in the urban outfitters or the, <laughs> you know. So at the time, a lot of people were flying from all over the world just to be at Milk. They would just know that there was this kind of cultural energy there and um, this creative potential there. And so literally like kids from Japan would just show up outside the door and want a job and not know even what milk was. And so, and people, you know, kids from Utah, all sorts of kids. So um, that was when, and I identified with that because I wanted to be at milk for that same reason. So that kind of inclusive creative spirit that we all want basically to exert our freedom through creativity and freedom of individuality, freedom of identity. That thread is the DNA of milk, of milk makeup, sorry. Um, yeah. And so does that then feel like with what's happening right now in the world, does that feel like almost an added pressure to find your voice in what's happening as a company? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the, the most interesting thing is um, how it all, everything is facing inwards now. You know, it's like yes, we've been this beacon of light to everybody else, to the customer, to the to the. Uh, but who are we to ourselves? You know what I mean? And 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 are we really being radically inclusive to our staff members? Are we being? Are we leveling the playing field for them? Are we? You know, that's that's what's really the most important thing right now because I think the outside is is pretty good. It's really about getting the inside right 
and it's 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 not bad. It's our our, our morale and our our transparency is actually pretty good. It's just that we need to create more support systems within the people on our team to feel to feel truly, um, yeah, a part of the expression. So if that's the case, then tell me a little bit of what's happened uh, in the last four days. So, you know, <laughs> have, has there been, uh, have you found a way to come together uh, internally? Have you found a way to uh, bring voices together and to, to start conversations in the company? You know, I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have, um, you know, we, uh, we had a, a big, um, triage in the beginning of, of the, of the pandemic, um, where we had to let go of a lot of people. And so just by doing that, we actually had to let go of around 30 employees, which was super painful and, um, just horrible. Uh, and I'm not proud of that in any way, uh, obviously, <laughs> but, um, because of that, it has opened up this communication where we're constantly on teams together, kind of cross-functionally talking about how to solve different issues, you know? Um, and right now, almost the entire staff is on these human and culture group is what we call it. Um, but really everybody's voicing their opinion about how to word the post that's going out tomorrow and which which charity we could we need to donate to right now and you know if we're gonna match donations of everybody today how do we also make a big impact that really feels nationwide and doesn't necessarily only go to minnesota you know um i think the transparency and the um what i'm trying to say is like everybody's included in the conversation and the and and some people have really wanting wanted to be part of the conversation that haven't been so far because of the power system and the bureaucratic sort of structure in the calls of who operates and who leads and now that it's more about everybody everybody's voice being necessary um and us all humbling ourselves to kind of figuring this out together i i make sure that if i'm leading a meeting i'm constantly saying like please chime in and correct me if you think there's a better way, if you think there's a better way of wording this, or this is what I'm finding, but everybody give the thumbs up if you're if you're down if you're if you're into this, you know? And so just that continual check-in is really been uh it's really been opening up a lot, I've noticed, you know, like it, there there may have been some misunderstanding, but now there's a transparency. And when when I don't know, you it's like what you said, like as soon as we actually see each other, you realize everybody's heart is open and it's not this weird thing that you have to um, doubt, you know? Um, but and, it, and I think, or have the doubt and open the conversation, you know? The part is is really, it's transparency. It's what you said. And uh, and to realize like, you know, we all, we all have a heart in the center of our chest, every one of us. And we all need air. We all need certain basic things and we share that in one another and it connects us. And there's, you know, COVID taught us we're connected through these viruses. We're connected in so many ways that we we haven't really fully even we may even know them on some level, but we haven't fully embodied. And and one of the things that blocks us so much from feeling more connected is our language, is our hierarchy, is our our use of words or our lack of use of words. You know, mm -hmm. um, and 
And I think, you know, if we're going to have lasting change, listen, originally this conversation was lasting change around, you know, the pandemic and going forward. And my concern was about people, how do we continue the conversation around sustainability and the earth and everything else? Now we're also talking about, you know, which is good, by the way, racism, you know, and, and how do we, you know, deal with uh, the need to have these really uncomfortable conversations and, and speak them up. And a part of it is to have them, yeah. <laughs> to actually open our mouth and, and to say them. Um, and, and, to, it's, it's... and to realize there's a way, I, I do think, um, I think we can't be reckless with our words. I think it's important that we're not reckless, but I also think it's important that we're not so careful that we're not being truthful. Mm -hmm. you know, and to realize we're going to trip, we're going to, every now and then we're going to say something and maybe it's not the right thing and somebody might stop us back and, and that's okay. Just cop to it, you know, own it and, and correct yourself and move forward. Like yeah. let's, let's create a culture where we have room for that discomfort um, and where uh, we can expand off of it rather than feeling like, oh, you know, and a part of it is actually moving out of this culture of shame, which, you know, humanity has been stuck in for so long. I mean, it's also that, right? And, and, and you know, every human being is trying to hide their shame on some level. Uh, and so a part of it is also, you know, not trying to hide our shame anymore and, and bringing it to the light uh, and not living in shame, realizing like, you know, perfection is in our individuality. It's not in, you know, being a certain way or maintaining a certain anything intelligence you know energy level creativity you know it's not in any of that perfection is in the individual uh being themselves which means we have to risk uh what being ourselves might mean to someone else and and grow through that yeah you know, a lot of words but i think it's true i think it's totally true i mean the thing about right now it's like if we're not if we're not taking care of ourselves how can we take care of the earth it's like this it's like this you know, cliche thing to say, but when 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 racism comes in, it's like we're yeah, we we've been in this crisis mode that where we've been in a white supremacist you know patriarchal culture. So no wonder we're all like in this state of like trauma and crisis constantly. We can't even take care of ourselves, let alone like our black community. You know, and now it's like finally everything is is. It right in front of us is that this is the first thing we need to take care of before anything else. Well, and I think, you know what, the other part about uh, the culture we live in, I think when it when things get painful, when they get hard, when they get dark, I think, you know, we go into triage mode and we go into, you know, assess, but then once we get past assess and, and treat the emergency, then we go into, you know, medicate it away as fast as possible. Right. You know, instead of really stopping and saying, wait, what's actually healing here? What, what's actually needed here? And, and so, yeah. And that's a, the beauty of right now is that we can't actually like the, the beauty of COVID-19 and us not having a, um, a, uh, a vaccine for a while is that we have to sit with it and practice and, 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 and figure out like a sustainable version of this new reality that's going to, you know, it's not going to end in a month or even a couple of weeks. Like we're, we're in this. Um, well, and our, and you know what, our, our, I also think there is a rising that is happening right now in the black community. There is a rising that's happening in the youth. There is a rising happening across 
you know, this country, and, and I think really across the globe saying, I don't, I don't want to live in this world this way anymore. And I'm willing to fight for something different. And, and, you know, uh, uh, I just think there's a great piece in the LA Times by uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that, that was phenomenal. Did you see it? You know, I haven't read it yet just because of how crazy it's been. That's all right. You're, it's on you're my alive. list now. It's on my list. I just was going to say, just keep it on the list. It's really worth reading because, you know, he even talks about, you know, the importance of what's happening and, and how, you know, he addresses like, you know, when you look at the violence, you might want to just close the door on this and, and, and judge it. And, you know, and it's, it's not that we approve of the violence or that that's necessarily the right way, but but don't let that stop the important conversation that needs to happen. It was, it was just such a good article. And I think, you know, it's so about, uh, about just opening these doors and um, bringing this conversation into our schools, into our work, into our homes, bringing it into a safe place to, to talk about and share about and, and to choose that over just trying to get past this, make it go away and, you know, hopefully get you know, some justice, hopefully, right? I put that in fake quotes, um, you know, and, and move past it as fast as possible because that's just going to keep us where we've been for so long. And the thing is, you know, I started this talking about the frequency raising on the planet, you know, and, and, and human consciousness raising. And, you know, in order, if we're going to raise our consciousness, we have to realize, like, we don't do that alone. We do that collectively. Mm -hmm. You know, we can alone participate in it. But, you know, but we're, we're connected. We're tied together here. So there's only so far you're going till we all go, uh, okay. you know, and that means that we have to turn around and look back. It's like having a wounded part of our, our being, you know, or, you know, it, it comes out, right? Like we have certain childhood traumas and, you know, there are these triggers that happen and they come out and, you know, no matter how balanced or how good your life is over here, if you don't deal with that trauma at all, you're, you're getting triggered. It, it's going to seep in. Uh, and so, you know, we are, we are connected. This is a, a collective planet. Um, so I want to know, just refocusing back to milk for a moment. Uh, uh, so do you think that uh, the team at large is on board with keeping this conversation going forward? Do you think that this, you know, is sustainable past, you know, COVID-19, past, you know, this current, uh, you know, issue that's happening right now in the protests? Like, do you think that this, this conversation keeps going? Yeah, I think... Um you know that that's the interesting part of it is how it figures into our business uh format or schedule for the year right because um you know that i've been working on the philanthropic model for the brand for a while now and we um we have a pretty robust program around giving back to the lgbt lgbt community but now uh we have to and we're working on a lot of sustainability stuff but now we can't not be a constant, like we can't just have this be a one-off thing um, in terms of giving with 50,000 that we're giving today to the NAACP. And, you know, we can't just speak out once. And that's what actually a team member brought up today is like, what do we do next time this happens? Because, you know, this is something we need to chip away at. This is something we're gonna need to I mean, hopefully there won't be a next time and hopefully, you know, we, we can just chip away at it peacefully and not have to protest another killing. But um, Cornell West, you know, is so beautifully was just like, this is going to take us all to to fail, fail again, fail better. You know, it's like just keep 
keep at it little by little. Um, and the thing that I think is the most sustainable part of it all is, is what we're doing internally with um, inclusivity training and, and support. So we're working with a company called Scope of Work. And what they do is they make sure we're, they're on retainer with us and they make sure that every new hire is um, a level playing field of applicants. So we, we're, we're making sure that we are always considering POC people for all creative roles. It's mainly in the creative side of our business um, just because that's their niche. Um, so what they do is if they have a lot of talented people, but some of them aren't up to speed on a certain, um, they'll get the brief from us on what they need to be skilled in and the programs you need to know. They will actually teach them the programs if they don't know them already in order to get them up to speed to be like the best possible applicant for us. Then once they get hired, they're tutored, not tutored, I'm sorry, mentored over two years plus um, with all sorts of support in terms of how to actually, you know, work in a professional way that is is the norm right now. And but then also we get tutored and we we get workshopped into understanding uh cultural differences and and understanding like what it means to truly have an inclusive work workplace where everybody's ideas are um given a platform and so it's like a big um that part of our 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 organization working with scope of work and having us have this mentorship across the board for senior level and for these new hires is like that to me is the biggest thing that's gonna create the most systemic change for us. And, and the, the cool thing about Milk Makeup is that it's a, it's a blessing and a curse that we're like a trend brand because there's so much dignity and integrity that goes into our products. Um, they're clean, first of all, they, there's a lot of actually great um, sustainability practice that is behind it um, that we're gonna be educating around soon. Um, and then of course we're inclusive and we've been an inclusive leader in the beauty industry since we launched because when we launched, nobody really showed the kind of people we, nobody used this kind of individuals we used in their beauty campaigns. It was still very much like a Eurocentric supermodel aesthetic across the board. Um, and so we really started something there. And I just feel like if we can, if we can also start talking more and more and be more transparent about what we're doing on the inside, I think that will start hopefully a trend in other businesses, you know, wanting to emulate that because it'll be the new norm. Um, and I, so, yeah. But I feel like I know that you've been wanting to do that for a while. And, and I kind of think, am I right that you were engaged with scope of work prior to this also happening? Like you were oh, yeah. engaged in that, that contract. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, our first, our first company wide workshop was supposed to be March 16th, which is, <laughs> heartbreaking because it's like but we had already hired people through scope of work you know we were in we were um yeah scope of work is incredible so we're we're continuing we're talking to them ne early next week and just going we've got the okay from everybody to you know at a time where we're it's impossible to throw money at anything we're like throwing all the money we can at that as well as obviously all our philanthropic efforts so it's just it's just so interesting right it's like it's it, what you know what's essential this is essential black lives so, matter is essential the so, bottom margin can wait <laughs> i think that that whole internal is so important having that conversation that it's not just about wearing the veneer on the outside uh it's actually bringing it into the culture and into the dna i think that's such a great thing and i would love for 
you to have more opportunity out there to talk about that as a brand leader to other brands, you know, um, yeah. the importance of bringing, you know, doing more at Milk Makeup, but then also becoming an example and, and being a voice out there. Um, because there's a lot of companies that put on the show, right? They go in and they get their marketing budgets and their PR budgets and they start spending tons for like, oh, this is happening right now. We need to respond. Um, but, you know, if you pull back the curtain, there's, there's nothing happening where it matters. Uh, and, and we need to help people, you know, not just in what they see on the screen. We need to also help people in what they experience at home and when they go to work. Uh, so yeah. I think that, that companies are a really important part of this voice. Um, but, and with that said, there's so many right now that are making these announcements in solidarity with uh, Black Lives Matters. And I'm just wondering, uh, what are some of the things you guys are doing? Uh, I know you have a statement coming out, uh, but what else do you have coming up? I think there's- um, You know, we made a statement of solidarity on Friday, um, really just to, to get out there and take a stand. Um, um, and we matched a donation of one of our, of one of our ambassadors. Um, we hadn't, we just needed, we were scrambling to understand like what we were gonna do next because we we were right into going into all this pride um, fundraising that we had already Ooh. set up. So we kind of had to uh, pause the pride fundraising for, we're gonna pause it for at least a week uh, or around that and-, and um, So you just did that? We just did that. And then we, and we just rallied around as a team all day today to understand what we should do. And then tomorrow, all our channels um, in solidarity will be going black um, across the board on our website. You won't be able to shop. And we will have a message um, that's really talking about, you know, taking the time. This is not the time for us to, there's a lot of people, a lot of people saying a lot of things out there and, and we are, we want to listen and gather our information and, and, but also be in service. So, 50K went to the NAACP. We are matching all the donations for each of our individual team members because everybody has a personal link somewhere. And, um, and then beyond that, we are taking this week to really understand. I mean, people on our team are, and I am like, we're all so emotional and needing a second. And so like the marketing schedule can wait and we need to, we need to like sit in reverence with everybody right now. And so that's sort of where we're at right now. And it's not, I don't have a plan. Like I check with, with me on Thursday. I might know what's up then. <laughs> no, but that's a real, wow. You're really, you're taking the, the brand, the website down for a minute and just putting up uh, yeah. a message and stopping all shopping for, for the next day. It's all, all black across everything. And that's, you know, we're not the only ones doing that. There's a lot of people doing it. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't aware. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, people are calling it Blackout Tuesday, and it's the whole. I mean, all of the black community are encouraged not to shop at all, and so we are. You were trying to be in solidarity with that of like, yeah, you guys aren't shopping. We're not. You know, we're not selling. Like, we're not part of the economy today. You know, like, and it's a small thing for us, but like, well, you know, you could see it anyway. But it's just the right thing to do right now. We're not. We're not yeah, I don't think that's a small thing for any business. I think that nowadays, especially with where we were just a few months ago, pre-COVID, uh, and especially, you know, I mean, business was all about bottom line only. We were in such a, 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 a negative cycle around money and greed. And, you know, the leadership in this country has really so much made the focus about the bottom line, you know, and has lost its connection to humanity for so long. I think that it's a big thing and it's a, it's a, it's a start. 
It's you know, it's only the end, but it's a start. Um, and I think, and I think if we don't make big enough statements, you mm -hmm. know, this will this will go away too. As I always say, you know, after 9-11, you know, I remember there there was about not even 60 days, probably about 45 days of of uh, of people being like, you know, rah rah, we're all American, you know, and you, you drive in New York City and walk down the streets and people are like, oh no, you go ahead or open the door for you and all that. Within 45 days, people were back to, you know, get the fuck out of my way, you know, <laughs> like you know. You asshole, you know, we, we didn't hold it. And uh, and not necessarily that we had to, to hold that vibration, but we just didn't hold that connection. And yeah. I think that that's, that's, that's maturing for humanity. Humanity's maturing is about, uh, is about holding that connection, holding that awareness and taking that with us and growing through it. You know, we're not gonna just stay all positive and not get annoyed with each other, but, but that's not what's required. What's required is staying aware of our interconnectedness and caring to grow in that relationship with each other yeah so i think it takes big statements and i think you know if it starts with a, a tuesday you know um the important part is that we need more than just tuesday right we need we need more days and more continuance uh if it's, it's going to happen yeah so. yeah um and that's the thing it's like how do we organize around um how do we organize around Black Lives Matter for the rest of the year and onwards, you know, with everybody. Like, how do we get everybody organized to make sure that change is really happening across the board? How do we make every Tuesday blackout? Or I don't, I don't know what it is yet, but that's what we're talking about internally is how we continue to support this until it is an alliance, you know, it's an alliance that we have to create. So I think there's the external alliance and some way finding a way to, to keep that uh, awareness out there. But I also think it's actually just putting it on the agenda. It, it needs to go into the, the meetings and into the agendas and in, in conversation and having check-ins, you know, mm -hmm. and just creating a culture where it's safe to hear one another about what, yeah. what's, what's happening. You know, uh, the same thing we, we, we you know, uh, that was happening with the Me Too movement and still needs to happen more. You know, it's, it's, it's having safe spaces to be heard uh, yeah. and, and believed. <laughs> um, yeah. It's so, just so interesting how in the past, you know, in the past before COVID and before, you know, like the economy was sort of go going down, um, we were already in a place where companies were starting to be judged by um, environmental and sustainable governance, you know? Um, so ESG being the way that companies are qualified to be a good investment or not in terms of people acquiring them, um, being really like their values. Are they, do they have good governing values as a company? Um, and now it's like, you know, it's not well, even, it's, yeah, it's not even the, it's not even the whoever's going to buy us to determine that it's the people, the people are the ones that are going to be judging uh, and and they're gonna be obviously even more discerning because we have 40 million people unemployed. There's, there are no dollars. So people that, these brands that don't stand for anything aren't gonna survive. There's no way. Well, I think the earth mother said we were going too slow. I really think that's you know a part of the COVID, whatever other factors are in there. I also think the earth mother has been speaking and she's like too slow, not fast enough. We need, yeah. we need, we need to speed this up a little bit. Let me uh, bring you all together in awareness and say, here, look over there. Um, it's like, and, let, me, let me edit this for you. <laughs> yeah, 
and I think it was just, you know, yes, even though those things were happening, you know, it's, it's this, uh, it's been so slow, the movement, you know, uh, oh, because there's this battle between the old guard and the old way and the old way of thinking and sort of progress and the movement forward. And I think people are, people want it and they're scared of it. You know, I think even people that want it, I should say, there are those that are scared of it and, and scared of progress and scared of what that actually means. Uh, and I think, you know, it's natural and it's okay that we have fear. And I think it's also so important that we move forward anyway to realize, you know, we're, we're not, uh, we may not know exactly what we're moving towards, but we know what we're moving away from. And it's so important that we remember, we want to move away from that, you know. That's the only thing to know. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and the key is as much as possible as, as a human consciousness is keeping our agility uh, there, our ability to, to change with growth. And that all circles back to where we started, which is transparency, which means keeping the conversation open because you know, uh, if, if we're talking to each other and if we're open and if we're transparent, that agility can exist. But if we're not, you know, there's always gonna be that group going like, wait, what's happening and why is that happening? And why do I not know this? You know, uh, that's where fear happens. So I think it's actually creating more transparency. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and I think that it's gonna be a challenge that you guys are gonna have, you know, all of you entrepreneurs in uh, finding a way to um, have transparency and not just have it be a show, you know, have a have really build the trust with the community that like, okay, that's what's really happening over there. You know, but a part of that is how, how the people who run those companies, how they actually live as well, right? So they're also gonna be looking at, at them in their own lives. I think. Yeah. So, um, I mean, not an easy road. There's not an easy road, but where it's, it's so immediate what I'm in right now. Like it's, it's, it, there's, there's a lot of transparency and there's a lot, there's, we're, nobody's hiding, put it that way. So, yep. so we're, it's, you know, a tight group. We're a small business. We're around 40 people right now. So it's like, everyone is essential and everyone is seen. And it's like, yeah, there's just, and we're holding each other accountable. It's like, if people disagree, they say, they just call you out immediately. And it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not an argument, you know? It's like, a, okay, you know, it's a, it's a humble moment. So uh, before we wrap up, I just wanna ask you for your own personal, uh, can you tell me some of the things you do to just maintain your energy to, uh, work with your own sort of ebb and flow uh, throughout the day. Do you have any habits or, or things that you do to keep your energy up through this? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I've been doing some more, I've been doing a lot of like meditative morning walks. Um, the, the, the like 8 a.m. sun on the ocean, we, we're, we're near the ocean right now, we're, it's incredible, but um, I really feel like I'm speaking to spirit when I look at the, the morning sun on the water. And, um, and so doing those morning walks and, um, and doing sort of like a yoga nidra kind of um, energy center healing going up all and down all the chakras um, while lying down kind of blessing my energy centers um, and being really kind to myself and loving um, that's, that's huge um, that I've had really, I've had some pretty um, profound sort of energetic 
moment for that. <laughs> do you check back in with these any of these things throughout the day? Like if you start to feel yourself going off rails, do you come back and like bring that ocean back into your heart or do any breathing or do, do you take moments throughout your day? I try to, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I think um, right now, I have, you know, I have a son, I'm cooking, I'm clean, like we're, I'm, we're, we're juggling a lot. And so if I can't actually pause and do something meditative, then I, I've been finding a lot of uh, uh, transcendence in music, just like cooking and listening to something really amazing um, in terms of, uh, yeah, just something transcendent in music has been really religious for me. Um, I, I love that. I actually tell people uh, to find a song uh, if you're if there's a certain vibrational state that you want to stay in uh, or a place to, you want to be able to return to easy and uh, you know something that can help is finding a song that that puts you into that state or that that aligns with it. Whatever the song may be, it doesn't matter what the lyrics are or whatever, but that energetically, whether that's calming or energized or aware or feeling empowered. Um, and what you do is if you start to feel yourself out of it, you, you listen to that song and you listen to it a lot. I listen to it every morning over many days till I get it in my body. And then I'll just hold that as a, a song that I'll go to when I start to feel the energy sinking and I need that space. Where's that song? Um, and listen to that and just breathe with it and let that come in because nothing like music to help uh, get, because you know, we're vibrating, right? So, yeah. so our, our, our bodies respond to the vibration of that music and we'll, we'll vibrate with it. Uh, so great, great choice in using some music in there. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's so fucked up. It's like what we were talking about, how all these things that we, we should hold at the highest value, the, the caregivers, the music, it's like all this stuff. It's like barely people don't get paid for it anymore. It's like, it's, it's such a mind fuck, right? It's like this gold that is all around us in people and caregivers and teachers and nurses and doctors and like, creatives these people that breathe love into everything and breathe care into everything and we are and we don't pay them we don't we don't value them um and that's that's you actually sent me a really great podcast uh was that ezra do you know who that is ezra what do you know the ezra name klein. ezra klein right yeah. uh and uh and uh just if you guys haven't heard it it's worth listening to ezra klein he had somebody on um she's an economist bring it up and uh and i'm just gonna tell you it was it was it was heavy i mean listening to them wolf smart people um, <laughs> but, but really plugged into uh the the economics and consciousness and uh the relationship that's going on there and the importance of certain things that need to happen in order to change our culture uh within that i thought it was a great interview uh, I really appreciated that when you, when you, it reminded me, by the way, when you were talking about the caregivers, because um, that's one of the things she talked about on that. Do you have the episode on there? Can we I do. It? Yeah. It's, it's the Ezra Klein show on Vox and it's uh, episode 328, the world's scariest economist on coronavirus innovation and purpose. And her name is Marie, Mariana Mazzucato. She's been called the, the world's scariest economist because she's on a mission to save capitalism from itself. Um, and uh, she's and just so to, brilliant, yeah. She's so brilliant, but I just wanna say, just to make it easy, uh, Ezra Klein, I bet you can find it on any podcast platform and it's episode 328. Um, anyway, really worth listening to. I haven't heard uh, any of his other 
episodes yet, but I bet they're going to be really interesting too. So um, thank you for bringing that up about the caregivers. We're going to continue that conversation into this season uh, and maybe I'll have you come back, but, but about the economy and, and uh, the importance of what needs to change and happen out there for us to become a sustainable culture. Because right now we're not a sustainable culture. Um, and I don't know, you know, how many, I think there's a divide in the awareness around that, uh, but, but hopefully we're going to help expand that awareness uh, as this goes, as the season goes on. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me.